This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. This is part two of the conversation between Valerie Bell, CEO of Awana, and her son, Brendan Bell, a counselor that spends much of his time working with young people. If you're just coming to this episode, make sure you go back and listen to part one. It's right next to this episode in your podcast feed. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes for today's episode. This episode starts with Brendan sharing what a balanced approach to our mental health looks like. Thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. So I like to think of uh, mental health almost like um, really finding uh, equilibrium or balance. Uh, almost like uh, like a balanced diet, like the four food groups. You know, uh, what were those four food groups? You have, uh, hold on. <laughs> you have, uh, I haven't thought about the four food groups yeah, in a while. because all you, you did was eat candy. Well, that's and, one of them. Yeah. Chocolate <laughs> is one of them, right? And you have meat. You have, uh, but uh, but that's that actually speaks to my point here, because I think what happens is just like the four food groups, there's certain parts of our brain, we'll call it the six food groups of our brain, <laughs> that we like to spend more time on, and we tend to neglect the others. And what we found is people are healthier and happier and suffer less when they can have a balanced approach to their to their life to their to their minds. So, so let me go through some here of these. Are the food groups here's for the food mental groups, health. Six okay. food groups. Uh, our thought life. We've been talking a lot about <laughs> yes, that, right? Yeah. That's important. You don't want to neglect that. There are people who who don't do a lot of uh, spend a lot of time on their thoughts. But uh, right now, that's not our problem. Generally speaking, we're overwhelmed with our thoughts because of the pandemic. Uh, uh, our emotions. You know, a lot of us are out of touch with our emotions. Um, in fact, uh, emotions can be very confusing. We can have multiple emotions at the same time. Mm. You can have all these different, all these different emotions, which can be very, very confusing. How you could have, you know, uh, love and anger and uh, all at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very confusing. Um, our body sensations. This is one that we tend to be a little more aware of during the pandemic because we have nothing else to think about. You know, um, and, my earlobe is not doing well. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Those panic symptoms, like I described. Yeah. You know, what's happening inside of our yes. bodies. It's very introspective mm. in that regard. Another one is relationships. This is one that's majorly out of balance during the pandemic by design, as we're in uh, quarantine, so we can't spend those relationships with other people. Um, it's, it's much harder. Our five senses, you know, when we go outside and play sports or walk through the park or go through nature, those five senses, we're engaging those things and uh, activating that part of our brain that keeps us balanced. And the, the other one is movement. Hmm, you know, this goes back to exercise, yeah. you know? Uh, so I think uh, um, if we're attending to these six categories, our thought life, our emotions, our body sensations, relationships, our five senses in movement, and we can find re, re, rebalance in that regard, we're going to do a lot better. And a lot of the trouble I'm finding, especially with teenagers, is no movement, no <laughs> senses. Uh, relationships are highly limited, and there's a lot of time on thought life, distress about not getting schoolwork done. Um, it's very, very lopsided. Yeah. Oh, Bren, you know, there's something I'd really love to talk to you about, and that is schooling problems. Uh, they're heightened during this pandemic. My heart goes out to young families who are trying to figure out how do we homeschool? How do we keep our careers moving ahead? Uh, how do we balance all of this? What's happening? 
with the schooling issues? That's a, that's a great question. And I think we're all trying to figure it out still, honestly, is, um, you know, some schools have tried to open and uh, have their students come in uh, full time. uh, And then we're bouncing back to uh, complete e-learning and learning by video. And then there's a hybrid model now where Mm -hmm. they, they go for part of the part of the week and then spend the rest of the time at home. But um, it's uh, what I found is that uh, kids learning remotely is very, very difficult. Yes. Uh, How realistic is it that they will actually be able to sustain that style of learning? Well, I'm not an education expert, but I can tell you what I see is is uh, it's not working great. So I, I don't tell your brother that I used him as an example here, um, but I called him the other day and he has a five-year-old who is supposed to be doing remote learning, you know, and I said, how is schooling going for you guys? And he said, oh, mom. And then he took his camera and he showed me the TV was blaring away with the teacher teaching and his little five-year-old's over there in the corner arranging her dolls and just totally ignoring it. And he had given up on it too. It just was not working for that age. Yeah. And I think the younger you go, the harder it gets. We've even found this in therapy is uh, older kids, teenagers, they've done well, uh, counseling over video, but the little ones, it's really tough to do video therapy. And I'm sure some people have found a way to do it well, but we have not. We've, uh, we, we have therapists that are actually seeing those clients in person still because of their age. Because the other doesn't work. Yeah. And with play therapy and how a play therapy room is set up, you have stations that are specifically there for specific reasons that doesn't translate well into yeah. a video. So play therapy is where they can take these these little dolls, really is what they are, figurines, and play with them in a way that can be interpreted by a trained psychologist in those, that field If you, when you say play therapy. Yeah, f- figurines are one piece of it, one. but there's also sand play, there's dress up, okay. there's a whole bunch of other avenues that are wonderful. It's fascinating yeah. ways to get into the, a child's mind. You know, let's talk about this. You had a little bit of a leg up when the pandemic came because you had been, you already, you and Kaylee, your wife had already been homeschooling four boys. Yeah, yep. So um, you were getting calls from people who were saying, how do we do this? Uh, because suddenly they all had to be homeschoolers. Uh, what are the kinds of things that you said to people that help them get the footing in the schooling kids at home? Yeah, I think um, one is managing expectations of what schooling looks like. Our, our instinct is to assume that our kids are going to accomplish a lot more than they are, <laughs> at least when it comes to the measurables. Yes. You know, did they get this test done? Did they get this work done? But I think one of the goals, especially right now when traditional schooling isn't working as well, is uh, to, as a parent, really work to protect your child's love of learning. If your child loves to learn, they're going to learn. Hmm. They're, they're going to initiate learning. So uh, getting, you know, it depends on the age of your child when it comes to what that looks like. But, uh, um, you know, for us, it's been reading to our kids. It's been audiobooks, It's been um, creative projects. It's been getting outside. Um, uh, we've, we've worked to find all sorts of creative ways to engage their minds. And sometimes hard work is just hard work. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but keeping it interesting and then also pursuing their interests. Each of my kids have their own interests. Yes. What is their lean? I think that's so important for parents to understand. What, what does this child, uh, naturally gravitate to? So talk about the four boys and, and what their leans are. Sure. Sure. My oldest son, Rowan, 
He has a science mind, uh, which definitely did not come from my side of the family. No offense, Mom. <laughs> the art side, maybe, but uh, the science side, maybe not. He's such a surprise to us. Where did yeah, he come from? Yeah, yeah. So um, he's twelve. He's twelve and loves. Uh, this was happening when he was two, though. Yes, I will tell mm-hmm. you, this was early adopted. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, we just keep giving him lots of science projects and uh, uh, all sorts of inventive type work. And you can just see his mind going. He just eats it up. He's, he's far advanced in that area. Maybe not others, but in that area, he's far advanced. And you're okay with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, it's uh, at, when it comes to uh, a professional life, you don't need to be good at every subject. You're quoting your mother now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always said you, said you don't that. have to be a straight A student to yeah. do well in life. You just have to be really good and interested in a couple things in life and you'll do great. Yeah, yeah. We make sure they, they meet the requirements, but uh, when it comes to the air area he loves we pursue it um my uh, 10 year old reese he is very physical he's uh, he's a lot in his physiology and uh loves competition and sports and activities so anything you turn into a competition he's all in you know if it's competitive with his brothers if he can uh, get a high score if he can you know get some new record he's all in so if we design schooling around that he's uh, he's also your most affectionate child very affectionate very physical you know he said to us the other day we have a yard that they love to be in there's lots of kid stuff in it and he's such a diplomat but he said to me the other day Lovey, have you and Gago ever considered a pool? <laughs> Which he would love. More games, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and talk now about the last two. Yeah, so uh, Merrick, he is eight, and he's he's probably my most creative child. He's your Burton. He is. He's your he's, mother's yes, family, there's right? There's some genetics there. Yeah, yeah loves reading. Loves, uh, he has uh, a mastery around words and I don't even know where he gets half the stuff. He, he quotes, um, cartoons from the sixties. Like, where'd you even hear that? You know, but he cares uh, how he dresses. He does. He's, he's very fashion conscious. So he's, he's my more creative uh, child. And so we, uh, um, we just keep giving him books. We keep giving him things to read and, uh, he eats it up. Uh, my last one is five. He's just getting the hang of school. We, we don't know exactly where he's going to end up, but we do know he's extremely social. So uh, anything that can be done in a social way, he he eats that up. So, we, so we've taken some time to describe these children. What do we hope that parents are drawing from this description of them, though? I think uh, we when we look at education, we think of these standards that we uh, expect our children to meet. And I think sometimes those standards can contribute to that anxiety about, is my child going to make it in this world? And um, I think if we can spend a little more time focusing on their loves and what gets them going, what excites them, um, that is going to be a huge catalyst to finding a career or something in the future down the road that's going to be very satisfying for them. Not just in making it, not just in surviving in this world, but thriving and doing something they absolutely love. You know, it's interesting, um, and I'm going to sound like a grandmother here, but in those areas that you described as their loves, when they are tested in those areas, they are off the charts. Not in everything, but in those areas, they are way off the charts, which is really great because they have been fed those uh, interests. You know, they've been encouraged in those interests, and you can see how it's even measurable at a certain point in life. 
you know, I'd like to talk about family crisis during this time. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, What's happening to families? What's happening to children uh, during COVID? Do we know? Yeah, the, that last question you asked is really important. Do we know? There's a lot we don't know, and that's what's, um, I think, most upsetting. Uh, the uh, mandated reporting has actually de- declined significantly by... And by mandated reporting... You mean people who have professions that they part, they have to report what they see, right? Correct. So school teachers, counselors, uh, there's a number of other professions too. I want to, to I want to add doctors. this here uh, in terms of Awana. We have a child protection program that all of our people who have any contact with children, including headquarters people who don't have that much contact with children, need to take. And one of the things we teach in that, Brandon, is that, that you, if you have any sense that a child is being abused or neglected, if you have uh, that uneasy feeling about a child, you don't go to the pastor, you don't go to the Awana leader, you go to the proper mandated authorities and report that and they'll know what to do about it. So people who have certain jobs, they have mandates uh, like we do with our people in Awana to report any suspicion they may have. Yeah, that's right. And many of these mandated reporters are protected by law. In fact, they could get in trouble if they don't report it. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Why are kids leaving the church after high school? What if the strategy to change this started in children's ministry? The Child Discipleship Forum is where children's ministry leaders, senior pastors, and parents gather to collaborate, pray, learn, and dialogue about the most critical factors to shape long-term discipleship in children. Featuring speakers like Ed Stetzer and Gabe Lyons, as well as children's ministry champions like Dr. Wes Stafford, we will unite together at the Child Discipleship Forum in Nashville or online on September 16th and 17th. This is a critical moment for us to shape the future of the church and make the greatest generation of disciples the world has ever seen. Save your seat at childdiscipleshipforum.com. Yeah, let me give you some numbers there. Uh, those, those reports have declined by about 40% during the pandemic, um, which, which on the surface sounds great because you're like, well, that's less reports, right? That, that means less less problems are happening. But I think it's a deceptive percentage because, or deceptive um, stat, because uh, when we look at trauma and emergency rooms, uh, those percentages have not declined. In fact, uh, in many cases, they've increased in numbers and in severity. So you have the number of mandated report reports declining significantly and the number of traumas being reported and in the emergency And the severity rooms. of the reports are higher, yeah. yeah. So, so the real question is, what's happening behind closed doors? Mm-hmm. And those are statistics we don't have. You know, I've seen this on the news quite a bit, where uh, kids have been left unsupervised at home. I mean, really young children. And you've got these situations where maybe a mom has to work, and she's a single mom, uh, she doesn't have backup, um, I, I feel just, this is anecdotal, but just, I, I feel like that's happening quite a bit more than we realize. Oh, absolutely. You know, the other thing is when you look, some other interesting statistics is in 2008, when we had the um, uh, the housing crisis and the market crash and whatnot, unemployment was on the rise. 
And they found a correlation, a connection between the amount of unemployment and child abuse. So, mm-hmm. and here again, we have a number of cases or a number of increased percentages, I should say, of unemployment. And yet we're not, things are not being reported. So you, you do wonder what's happening behind closed doors. So we will we probably find to. out later. Unfortunately. Yeah, yes. that's really sad. Mm-hmm. It, and I want to say something here. If you have a child in your life, a next door neighbor or you know, a, a a kid who is uh, maybe you know peripheral to your life, and and you have some concerns about that child. You're in his or her life to protect them, maybe at this time, and really seriously consider that God has placed you there for a reason. Yeah, be intentional. Uh, be, intentional. be intentional. Ask the questions. And ask the questions. These children are helpless to help themselves. That's right. So, That's right. um, so let's let's talk uh, to parents. How can we make the best of this time? Yeah. Is it possible? Yeah, I do think it's possible. In fact, I think there's a, a unique opportunity here. Is you know it's hard to see it, and it's it I almost I almost feel uncomfortable saying it because the, the 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 pain and the trauma and what people are going through is so incredible right now. This feels uh, too Pollyanna ish. Uh, yeah, it's not though. It's not. It, it's really important. Is that um, often when we go through crises, uh, it can awaken us. It, it awakens our attention to things that really matter. Kind of the um, the things we typically rely on things we typically go to to soothe ourselves, when those things have been removed or questioned or are no longer available to us, we have to turn to other things. Like what? God, for example. I our love faith, that. Our faith yeah. is critical here. Is what is my, um, uh, what is my connection to, to Jesus? What's my connection to God? And sometimes when all the other things get stripped away, we are left with that, with God. How do we access God? Bren, for people who say, yeah, that's a good idea, but I'm not sure how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one thing is through the church. Mm. And um, it's, uh, again, which is very difficult right now, right? We have scripture, we have the church, but uh, the church is, they, they do have avenues to connect. They're meeting online. A lot of churches are meeting in person or there's small groups. I know my small group has been incredibly important to me right now, even though we're all on Zoom, (laughs) you know, which is not as fun, but it's still an opportunity for me to share my life and pray and uh, to get the support I need. So there's still ways to connect. It requires a little more creativity Mm -hmm. and and some more intentionality. You can't just go through the motions, but there are ways to connect. Yes, reach Reach out. out. Absolutely. I think the other thing is... um, the other silver lining in this is that parents are at home more often with their kids. And for some uh, families, that has not been a good thing. But for other families, it's been a great thing. Um, it, it's caused us, I think, to reassess our values, what really matters. Interesting. So uh, I'll speak to my my own life. You know, uh, I'm counseling out of my my uh, 12-year-old's bedroom right now. <laughs> I don't have an office, an extra office. We have a small house. So I spend a lot of time in my 12-year-old's bedroom, and he's been gracious enough to let me have that He's going to charge you rent one of these days. You know, his angle on that, by the way, is uh, he says, well, Dad, I get to stay up late because you counsel <laughs> really late. So, so uh, But what happens is when I get a cancellation, I get to just go downstairs and have a cup of tea with my wife or play with my kids. So... Um, and that's something I could have never done before. Yeah. So um, kids are dealing with stressed out parents and their jug- parents are juggling work and home. What can parents do to help both themselves and their kids through this? Yeah. Um, 
There's a number of things. I'll give you, I'll make this a little more practical okay. answering this question. Uh, number one, uh, kids need structure and boundaries. Uh, they're getting way too much time on social media, on video games, and I get like that's their only social connection in many ways. Um, so I think parents have been more hesitant to pull that from their kids. Um, but they still need structure and finding other things to do that aren't in front of a screen. Things like going for walks, playing board games. You know, we used to do that yeah. uh, years and years ago. Let's, let's start playing board games again. Um, made up games. Uh, made up games are incredibly helpful for a child's psychology. It, it is, that is therapy for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, family plays, uh, kids are naturals at, at mm-hmm. doing that. And mm-hmm. sometimes the hardest thing is for a parent to join in because it's a little less natural for parents, but it, it's really wonderful kit for kids. Puzzles, even chores, um, structuring their day. So they are still on a routine and there's a rhythm to life. So parents shouldn't be apologetic about still having chores for their kids. It's actually structure. Uh, positive for their lives. Very much so. I mean, there's still that concept of don't do something for your child that they can do for themselves. That builds a child's sense of self-worth and self-confidence and independence. And that's something you want for them later in life. So yeah, you don't want to take those away, those Mm -hmm. moments away from them. Um, The other thing is uh, even uh, when it comes to larger structure throughout the year, still celebrate holidays birthdays, all those things that come up during the year all, are all milestones that help make the, the, their life feel more predictable and grounded. Not everything has gone to chaos. Yeah. You know, the, let's Talk keep about into, what we should root our children in right now. R-O-O-T. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one principle that we, we use in therapy is the younger a child is, the less language they have to make sense of their emotions the more it just feels like a ball of anxiety. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a mental, st- a way to structure that stuff or rationalize it or make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So even, even talk therapy for children can sometimes be unproductive because it triggers Other just things, a lot of yeah. anxiety. So you have to get at some of those themes through play and other activities. Um, I'm losing track of your original question. Well, was, yeah, talking about rooting them in things that will help. So yeah, what okay. makes them feel secure? What doesn't change? Yeah, so so even uh, talking about the, those concerning issues can be triggering for them. What you want to do is root them in things in their world that aren't changing. I so let's to, start with faith. Yes, God. Yes, that's not changing. That's yeah. and there's wonderful scripture verses mm-hmm. in how um, we are secure secure in in our relationship to Christ. I just want to say, you know, a lot of our churches were not able to continue with Awana, but how important is it for children now in the fall to be given that front row seat to faith? It's, it's huge for children that the church is still there, that the people who loved them before are still there. And uh, I, I think there's going to be a huge relief uh, and celebration in the fall when these children can actually be with each other and be with the adults and have the rootedness of a Christian community in their lives. I I just had to add that about Awana. Yeah. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Begin the day with a prayer End the day with a prayer book, bookend the day, do, do things that will give them a sense of being a, a part of, 
uh, a part of their faith community, their church. It's continuous uh, security. It is. Isn't it? Yeah. It's all these things, the rhythms of that, of, mm. of everything that doesn't change in their life helps them navigate the storms and the chaos. In That's great. Um, another one is uh, own your own stress. Unfortunately, our children are an easy target for uh, our own emotions. We can even get more frustrated or more angry with their behaviors. Their kids, they're going to misbehave with their misbehaviors. Um, yes, okay, yeah, they're doing something wrong, but but it may be driven by something else going on in our life, mm-hmm. say the pandemic or our job loss or whatnot. So there's a tendency to, we, we call it projection, project, take that frustration and anger and displace it and put it on our children. So create structure and boundaries uh, for, for children during their day, Uh, root them in this sense of the things that never change and then uh, own your own stress. Don't put it on them. That's right. And and I think in, in that spirit also extend extra grace Mm. is we're all under stress, immense stress. And when we're under a lot of stress, we're usually at our worst. We're not our best selves. So recognize if your child's acting up, if, if you're acting up, <laughs> uh, is, is extend yourself grace, extend them grace. Um, uh, let's be uh, extra merciful toward each other. Um, and that includes uh, our Facebook posts and the people we talk to in the world, too. Let's <laughs> extend extra grace to those people. That I love that. May be uh, feeling upset with or angry with. Extend them extra grace. Yeah, They're at that. their worst, too. Yeah. Um, another one is, uh, and I mentioned this uh, before, but I just want to reemphasize it because I think it's so critical, is see the opportunity for you and your family here. There is huge opportunity. When, when your kids re, re, uh, look back on their life and they remember critical moments with their parents, this may be one of those critical moments. Getting through a pandemic, getting through this incredible stress, and how dad showed up, how mom showed up for them in this moment. This is an incredible opportunity. As a parent, you have the opportunity to score lots of points. Yeah, this is huge. It is. It really is. So as as difficult, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, a pandemic ever to anyone. But here we are. And in the midst of this, what can we do to find a, a sense of um, connection, community, and uh, invest in our kids in a way to show them how we deal with chaos and stress to show them our virtues and, and the way we go through life to deal with these uh, difficult situations. This is all great stuff. And I just want to had a personal word here. I'm really glad I had you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I, something when I was in sixth grade, um, a guidance counselor asked me what I wanted to do in life. And I told her that I wanted to be a lawyer for children. And she said, there is no such thing. <laughs> But there are all kinds of people who advocate for children. Teachers do, uh, Awana people do. And as I'm listening to you, you know, I realize what an advocate you are for children and that you spend all day, every day, trying to heal the wounds. And um, that's why I'm glad I had you. (laughs) And I'm so proud of you. That's The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. 
Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.